Welcome to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. Hello, I'm Jeff Zarang, media specialist for the Louisiana Forestry Association and host of Minding the Forest. Our podcast focuses on sustainable forestry, how important forests are to Louisiana and its economy, and how forests benefit everyone. Mind of the Forest episodes also include important issues to the forest industry. And this time, we continue with the second part of a two-part series, Reform and Revenue, with State Representative Jack McFarland, a master logger from Winfield. In the incoming legislative session, legislators may consider a bill to reform how money is spent in the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development, as well as proposing a tax on fuels. At the recording of this podcast, such a bill has not been introduced. By releasing this podcast, the Louisiana Forestry Association is neither supporting nor opposing such legislation. This podcast is being released only to inform LFA members and the public. Here's part two, Revenue Second. You want to change for the auditing to, to decide, okay, yeah, that money is being spent well. You want to remove capital outlay uh, as an avenue to get transportation projects done. Is that going to leave a hole in what Louisiana is spending in transportation projects and infrastructure now? No, I don't think it will. As long as we generate the new revenue, that new revenue will go where it's intended and it will, we will stop robbing Peter to pay Paul. We will stop taking money from places where we were never intended. But what's happened is, is we've become so dependent on that, you have nowhere else to get the money. We, we often hear about the federal money, how much federal money can, is available. Well, we're leaving money on the federal table every day, every year, actually, because we don't have the state funding to, to get all the matching dollars. Explain that, please. Every year, um, the uh, federal government, uh, just like in the state government, you have a transportation committee. Well, on the federal level, that transportation committee and working with the presidential administration uh, has made proposals on funding infrastructure in states, not just federal roads, but state roads as well, state roads and bridges. The federal government, for an example, last year allocated several hundreds of millions of dollars, almost 600, $650 million for Louisiana. To get that money, you have to have 10 to 20% matching funds. And we didn't have all the money to get that. So when you don't get all the federal money that's been allocated for your state, what's left is put back on the table and other states go and get that money. It doesn't go back into the coffers in the federal level like you and I would really prefer. It actually goes back onto the table and it says, okay, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, would you like some of this money that Louisiana didn't, they, they didn't have the federal, the, the state dollars to get the federal dollars. So why do you think Arkansas just passed a half cent sales tax to go toward their roads? Because they see the opportunity. There's millions, hundreds of millions of dollars every year left on the table that we're not getting and other states are. Based on some of the reform that you just talked about, is it correct to view it as, Operations for any state agency should come from the general fund, but revenue that is gained from taxes, specifically fuel taxes with the intention for projects, mm -hmm. that's where that money should go. But none of that money in a fuel tax should be spent on operations of DOTD. 
No, I don't think it should. But unfortunately, because we don't have the money in the general fund to cover all that, we're forced to compromise to some degree the amount of money we can take back from DOTD. So when I say I'm going to take four cents back of the existing 16 cents, when we began uh, talking today, Jeff, I told you about how all the 16 cents played out. So when you got down to nine cents, five cents of it, maybe even six, it takes to operate DOTD on a daily basis. And that's about 4,000 or less employees. We don't have the general fund dollars to cover that expense. So, no, I can't. But moving forward to make sure that never happens again, I want to take four cents back from DOTD and any of the new money goes into the transportation subfund that specifically says they cannot use it on ordinary uh, operating expenses. So then it's protected. It's, it does not allow that to continue to occur. But there's nothing I can do about the operating expenses they currently have. Um, you know what? I, I would love to, but the state general fund just does not have that revenue currently to, to, to allow us to do that. The new money that you're talking about, I think you had a specific figure in mind. And what fuels are you talking about also? So 10 cents the first year on gas and diesel. Okay. Across the board. Across the board the first year. The second, I'm sorry, every other year beginning two years after that, we would add two more cents. So it would be indexed in. So over the next 13 years, we would grow to 22 cents. Now, if you go back to the original 16 cents, and most states, not all, some have a CPI indexed, and that was always our question. Why did the legislature, why did the governor not CPI index that when it was created? Because it would have grown with inflation, and we wouldn't be having to sit here and ask for this money now. Well, because I think that for me, I think looking forward, each legislature, as we look into the future, would like to have that opportunity to adjust that. So we want to put this in terms where if in 13 years, let's just say in six years, uh, something changes. We want the legislature and the governor to be able to look at this and say, hey, we don't need that money now. Things have changed and to be able to stop it. Now, do you think that'll happen? I would be hard pressed to believe that. <laughs> I Sorry. would too. But if we, if we only do this for the 22 cents, which I'm capping it at that, uh, what I'm doing is, in essence, a sunset or a cap of what you can increase it. That way, I believe that in 13 years, the legislature would have to come back to the public if it wanted to do anything different. But what it would do is, if you would have CPI indexed our original 16 cents with the growth of uh, at the rate of inflation, you today would be paying around 38 cents per gallon. So... If you take the 16 cents we currently have since 1984 and you add 22 cents to it, but we're not doing that immediately. I mean, that that would be, to me, a significant challenge, even for our constituents, for truckers, for uh, mom and dad. So I believe right now asking for 10 cents the first year and then waiting two years and asking two cents every two years afterwards, it gives everyone time to adjust to it and to grow into it. And identify, you know, those opportunities. And look, and you say, well, why else are you doing that? Well, as we make our cars more fuel efficient, 
I mean, I believe you're going to see, you know, if, if you're getting more miles per gallon, you're buying less gas. But you still got to maintain the same amount of roads and bridges. So there has to be a trade-off on there. Now, you also see a significant investment being made and a big promotion by the federal government on electric cars and hybrids. So we've factored in a fee for electric cars, which would be exactly what the average family pays or spends on gas annually for an automobile that consumes gas. So for electric vehicles, we've already calculated that in and accounted for that. Let's look at first year, 10 cents per gallon. That's as a businessman and as the example you gave me, that your cost would increase and you would be able to plan for that because you know how much fuel you use. That's correct. Can you give me an example? How much more would it cost you for uh, a year to, to add 10 cents in fuel? So, Jeff, the way I suggest everyone do it, the way I've, I've been looking at it for myself, so I have a GPS system in every one of my trucks, and it uh, details how many gallons of fuel we're uh, burning using every day. And so, like, the average truck travels less than 300 miles per day. And if you just take one single truck of mine, not, not any of the rest of them, just one truck, and you add that 10 cents, but if my trucks are getting five miles per gallon, and look, our, our big trucks are getting more miles per gallon now than they historically have. Uh, I even have some of my trucks that are getting six miles per gallon, and with some drivers uh, getting 6.4. So as we've increased that fuel efficiency, I'm buying less fuel. That goes back to we still have the same roads and bridges, but I'm paying less because I'm having to buy less fuel. But let's just say on a 300 mile, I'm, I'm sorry, 300 miles, let's just say I'm getting five miles per gallon. So I'm buying 60 gallons that day. So if I'm adding 10 cents to that, I'm looking at another six, uh, six bucks that day. So it, that truck, and if I add that to 10 trucks, then I'm looking at $60 per day uh, in additional fuel cost for my entire fleet. So over the course of the week, that's a lot less than $2,500 more. That's right. Over the course of a week, I'm looking at $300 additional. Now look, that $2,500 example of that one truck, that's one truck, one job. What I'm basing on is even on 10. So it's even a more significant savings. I would rather invest that 10 cents now and save that $2,500. So I would rather spend the $300 today, this week, and save that $2,500 by fixing those bridges. And even in this legislation, we've identified, especially, you know, I live in a rural district, represent a rural district. We have created a rural bridge program that we would like to implement that would identify all these rural bridges that are deficient, not just the ones that are closed, but even the ones that have been degraded and have been consistently moved from 40 tons down to 25, down to 15, down to 10, down to five to identify those and get out in front of it and replace those as quickly as possible. That goes back to some of the efficiencies that I believe that we can find in DOTD through our engineering methods that we are currently not doing because we don't have the financial capabilities of, of implementing. The fuels we're talking about are only the fuels that are, are used on vehicles that would use state or local roads. We're not talking about any equipment that's going in the woods. No, uh, not all, no, nothing with off-road fuel, nothing uh, with jet fuel, 
none of that. Uh, this is strictly gas and diesel, on-road diesel. So back to what you just mentioned concerning the rural areas. That has really been a problem in that there certainly are a lot more cars in cities. Urban areas have a lot more use for their particular roads. But when the taxpayer sees a new tax and then more infrastructure in Baton Rouge, for example, or New Orleans or Hammond or something like that, when that happens, they feel as though, okay, well, I passed this tax. My bridge is sitting over there and it's still five tons. Can't pass over it. Are there any assurances for those folks who look at that and and say, I want to make sure that that bridge is on the list to get fixed. So that's why we're putting the specific language without it. There would be no guarantee, but by putting the specific language, identifying rural bridge program, we're creating that language in legislation that would assure the taxpayers in the rural areas that they're getting their bridges fixed as well, just like the ones you spoke of in in your metropolitan areas. Now, what I do like to tell, and I like to point out is that if you take someone that lives, let's just say an, an elected official, let's say another legislature representing a district in Baton Rouge who, okay, they don't have any rural bridges in their district. They have none. But their citizens are going to have to pay this tax just like mine. But my rural bridge is going to get fixed even though they don't have any. So at the same time, my rural bridges are being repaired What they do have is a Baton Rouge bridge over the Mississippi River. And we all know, because if you've ever traveled I-10, we're the only interstate in the country that funnels down to one lane coming off of that bridge. That is nowhere else in the country. So, you know, those are things that we have to address. But that's important to those legislators in those metropolitan areas is correcting that problem. So at the same time, no, in their specific district, they may not benefit individually in a rural bridge but that met that big bridge on i-10 is as important to them as that rural bridge on highway four for me for those rural bridges in that particular program are you proposing a certain percentage of the new tax to go there or you we are so what we're doing we've divided this money what we would like to see any new revenue into a 60 40 split a 60 percent would go to preservation of existing roads and bridges 40% would go to construction of new roads and bridges. And when we say new roads or bridges, we're talking about the bridge in Baton Rouge. And we're talking about I-49 from Lafayette to New Orleans that has not been completed because we haven't had the state dollars. We're talking about the bridge in Lake Charles, as you know, the Calcasieu River Bridge. It is in much need repair. Uh, So much so that now they're talking about tolls. As a matter of fact, uh, the Transportation Committee met with DOTD and uh, uh, elected officials in Lake Charles, and they all agreed and have voted to allow. Now that's going to have to go to the voters. But look, now you see we're, we're talking about not only would you be paying a gas tax, but you could potentially have to pay tolls if we go that direction. Where you and I who don't live there, but we're going to pay for their bridge. So Louisiana's been hesitant to go in that direction, and that's why, because you have so many of us that, travel through Baton Rouge, although we don't live there, we're going to pay for that bridge. So we're going to pay for it either way. I would rather pay for it through uh, the gas tax than I would through the tolls. Do you think we're kind of getting to a position where it's either increase the gas tax on a proposal such as like you're proposing or 
look at tolls in more places around Louisiana? Is it an either or situation? You know, the problem for you and I is that in rural areas, where are you going to put a toll? We don't, we couldn't put enough tolls and, and look, let's just use my district, district 13. Now think about that 539 bridges. Now the folks in Baton Rouge are concerned with one bridge and that's the I-10 Mississippi river bridge. I have to worry about 539 bridges. So I don't think tolls are the answer to solving all our bridge problems. It may address the I-10 bridge, but then again, it's not going to do anything to address the bridges in District 13. So I still have the same dilemma. How has this been received by your colleagues in the legislature? As I've traveled the state visiting with legislators, you know, I tell everyone I'm here on a fact-finding mission. I want to reform how we spend our money today. And I share with them my experiences as a legislator sitting on appropriations for the past five years, but also as a businessman, what it's costing me, what it's done to my business. And then I use that all as an example. And I've had a very good response. I've had a lot of legislators share with me their concerns. You know, obviously, this has been a a very outspoken, very sensitive. Everybody talks about it. And so they've had both dynamics uh, in their district. People have responded positively and negatively as well. So I think it's important that, one, we have to educate the public as well as I'm trying to educate the legislators on here's what the proposal actually is. You know, uh, originally it just got out, oh, we're just trying to do a gas tax. Well, no, I think we're trying to do something much more significant than that. I think for the first time in Louisiana and its transportation woes and the challenges we faced, we're actually seriously taking and addressing a department in this state that's one of the largest finance departments we've had, and we're actually taking time to scrutinize it and reform it and put the power of the money back in the taxpayers' pockets and give those that elect us that power that they deserve. They're the ones that deserve to tell us how they want this done. And I think previously legislators through the decades have not done a very good job of that. And I'm not criticizing anyone, but at the same time, this is where we are. And so when I was elected, I was told, Jack, don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. So I'm proposing a solution. And that's what I tell legislators. Here's our opportunity to do what we were elected to do, solve a significant problem. Now, coming out of COVID, we know that more than ever, our economy, it needs a shot in the arm. You know, Ronald Reagan was coming out of uh, one of the worst historical, uh, almost, uh, it's a recession was what he was experiencing uh, after the Carter administration. And this was one of the things he proposed uh, on the federal level. President Trump did it two years ago. And look, and it's still being looked at already. You know, President-elect Biden has even said, hey, I'm going to take that proposal that President Trump had already put together on infrastructure, and I want to put that out there. So everybody recognizes that when you invest in your infrastructure, that there's significant opportunity for economic growth. And look, we just spoke briefly about the ports, but look what it does for our rail system. We have companies that are willing to invest millions of dollars creating jobs, but they're not going to do it if they can't get their goods out to the market. 
And Louisiana is missing out on opportunities because we are not doing that. And, you know, we want to think about it as paved roads and bridges. It's all together. It's our water system. It's our air system. It's our rail system. It's even our state highway and roads bridge system. system. So this is not something new, but what we are doing new is we're reforming that agency in a way that our taxpayers expect us to do. And that's the response I've gotten from my legislators. They love that. They love the fact that somebody's stepping up and saying, hey, it's not going to be popular with maybe the bureaucrats in Louisiana, but it's going to be popular with the taxpayers that we're finally giving them back the power they deserve. Any other reforms that we haven't talked about? There are some other proposals that I'm I'm really not at liberty to, to because I have other legislators I am working with them on, and I don't want to jeopardize my relationship with them until we've worked out all the details. But there are there are more and more suggestions coming in on how we need to correct the system we have, and look, that's encouraging when I have legislators. And look, I even have engineers call me. I even have previous DOTD employees call me. I have current employees call me and say, hey, here's something you could do. Here's something we could do to make it better. Here's something we could do to change. Here's where I see where we could uh, save money. You know, that's encouraging when you when you have that type of momentum beginning on, on a piece of legislation. No, look, we still have a long ways to go. We hadn't even... We're not even going to get into session until the middle of April. So we have a lot of work to do. But the most important thing we can do is educate the public on how we got to where we're at. I think the public would rather have the truth, even if it's not what they want to hear. So at this point, it's really legislation that it's fluid. It is. You know, a lot of it has been uh, ideas that we've put together. Some of it is things we've already got uh, that we've nailed down. Here's some things that we're going to do in our proposal, but there are other things that we're changing. I don't think I should be closed minded at all to any legislator or any, even any citizen or any business. So I've had business owners reach out to me and ask, you know, how's this going to help me? What is this going to do for me? And then as we sit there and we discuss the problems they have in getting from point A to point B, it gets pretty simple. Hmm. Now it's not a quick fix, Jeff. I don't want that illusion to anyone, but I think that, from what I've been told about the number of projects that are just sitting here waiting to be funded, the engineering's already been done, the environmental uh, process has already been completed. They're just sitting here waiting for funding, and it's thousands of miles of roads, and it's hundreds of bridges that are sitting here waiting to be funded to be built. Now, you think about what that does. Economically, it will change our state. Politically, it would be a difficult process, if you will, it is, to decide it is difficult. which bridge. Here's how that's already being done. And I'm not, I don't want to change that process. So currently we have the highway priority program. And what it is, is through statistics and data, real data about the, the amount of traffic and the, the damage to the bridge. Uh, our existing road, but I like to use bridges in a lot of this. When you look at that, those that data has already been collected. And so we will not allow that to be manipulated by politicians or elected officials. That is something I, I will put in language in the bill to protect is that integrity that 
those bridges and roads that have the most traffic and the most damage be done in order statistically and data proven that they should be. So the legislators have done a good job of identifying that process. And that process currently exists, and I don't think we should change that at all. It's difficult, though, to keep politics out of certain areas. It it can be. Yes, it can. But I will not jeopardize certain things in this piece of legislation just to pass it. I think that would be irresponsible, and then I would be held accountable by the, the people that elect me. We are recording this in December. It is a fluid process. So when this actually is available for public consumption, the plan could change. But the end goal, does it remain the same? The end goal does remain the same. Our goal, and I I call it the GRIT Act. This is what we're creating, the GRIT Act. It's government reform and transportation. You remember the movie True Grit by John Wayne? Oh, yes. Rooster, Rooster Cogburn. That's what people want. They just want real people to do real things. And so what we're proposing is real reform in this state, in our transportation department. And yes, I think that between now and April, when this, when we go into session, yes, this could change. And uh, as author of the legislation, I'm committed to keeping it as the most responsible piece of reform and the most conservative piece of reform and transportation that we've ever had. Jack McFarland, logger from Winfield, Louisiana, also a state legislator for House District 13. Jack, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Thank you for listening to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. This concludes part two of a two-part series, Reform and Revenue, with State Representative Jack McFarland, who also is a master logger from Winfield. As a reminder to our listeners, a final bill proposal had not been developed at the recording of this program. Also, The Louisiana Forestry Association is neither supporting nor opposing such legislation. This podcast is being released only to inform LFA members and the public. If you'd like to learn more about sustainable forestry, the LFA and its programs, and how you can be part of an organization that supports landowners, loggers, and wood manufacturers in the state, go to laforestry.com. Remember, at the Louisiana Forestry Association, we're minding the forest for you.